Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Monday show on the Everything is Black and White podcast. We're back after a week's break. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by a very special guest in the mirror, Simon Burgess. Aaron Stokes is off. He's had more holidays than Newcastle have had wins this season. He'll be back next week. We didn't have an episode last week. Um, and I'm still trying to work out whether that's a good thing. After a week's reflection, will things look any different? I'll get Simon's view on that. And if you're watching live, please let me know how you're feeling after a week or so on uh, from that Brighton defeat. We'll have a look at the main issues currently hampering Newcastle United to start the season, the future of Bruno Gomes, the Champions League and much more. Simon, welcome back to the podcast. How are you keeping? Thank you. Very good, thanks. Back after also a week's holiday. Um, very enjoyable. You were telling me off-air about your holiday. It sounded absolutely perfect. Yeah, a week of cycling in the French Alps, which uh, wasn't exactly relaxing, but it was it was good preparation. How, how was the weather nice? Was it perfect for the cycling? It was perfect for the last four days, but then we had snow and minus three at the top and all sorts uh, for the first two days. So the temperature variation was 40 degrees Celsius. That's quite, yeah. Week. But it was good. Good. I'm back after doing the Great North Run. I'm, I'm feeling particularly chipper today. I was yeah. going to ask you, and um, we know you do you, cycling. Are you going to are you going to join next year? Are you going to do? I, I well, I've done the Great North Run twice, but uh, you know, around about two hours, two hours ten for my second attempt. So I retired after two. But you're you're a regular, aren't you? You were happy with yesterday's run? This is my eleventh one. Num- that was number eleven. Mm-hmm. I was happy to get over the line in one piece. It was far too warm, and I didn't want to end up on the decks. And so I was just concentrating on getting over the line and enjoying it. Uh, we, you know, we ran for the Sir Bob Robson Foundation, over five thousand uh, pounds raised for a great cause. So that was the main point. And then the heavens opened. I've never seen anything like it. All the listeners and viewers, and I'm sure Simon, you'll remember th- uh, Thunder Thursday. Do you remember that? Thunder Thursday. Ten oh, years, yes. Ten, when there was lightning ago. shots all around Tyneside. I've not seen weather yesterday after the the finish line like that since Thunder Thursday. Really? It was yeah. horrendous. Needed to cool off though. Well, yes, it would have been helpful if there was rain at the start because it was far too warm. Anyway, we're going to talk about Newcastle United and we're going to kick off with Simon's take on that defeat to Brighton. You know, It wasn't a great performance, wasn't a great result at all. Brighton thoroughly deserved it. Is it a bad day at the office or are there deeper issues that need to be ironed out sooner rather than later, do you think? Uh, probably a bit of both. Um, I think I think when you you watch the what the ownership was saying about what they expected from this this year on the on the Amazon documentary, they expected there maybe will be rocky times, May, and I think that was probably going to be from fatigue and juggling European matches. But obviously, we've not even got into Europe yet, and there's there's a few few problems to iron out. Uh, I think yeah, Newcastle played similar tactics for a, for a good eighteen months now, probably, and maybe teams are are working it out a little bit. And I think then individually, you look at have some some players dipped. Um, athletically and form-wise and there's probably a few who, who have dipped a little bit and then there's like the look factor and the chemistry magic kind of factor which is kind of harder to pin down um, and it's a very hard start to the season they've had a you know, fixture list isn't, isn't exactly ideal just to get yourself off to a nice start so there's all those factors sort of mixed in there um, but I think Eddie Howe will be a little bit concerned about this. I mean, the text I was getting from, from Newcastle supporting friends expressing a lot of concern that it looked so flat and, and not, not pressing and the energy wasn't there um, in the second half from a pretty demoralised team. And I think most of the talk is about that midfield three of, of Bruno, Tenari and Joe Linton. And if that doesn't work, regardless of who you're playing, but there was obviously the, the three that, he, that he's, he's sticking with, if that doesn't work then Newcastle are not going to work as a team and it really 
is shining through that that for me i think for most people watching and listening that's the main issue it's, it's just not working it's not clicking yeah. is it a case of of give it time and, and and in a few weeks time we will see you know it, it working or do you think something needs to change before then I think he, he might mix it up. I mean, he had two weeks to think about it and two weeks on the training ground <clears throat> to actually put things right. And, and I, you know, you, you look at the midfield three and, and Bruno is, is top quality, but probably hasn't really been on his on 100% top form that Bruno can deliver. And then you look in one of the biggest issues we were exploring with Eddie Howe in America pre-season was how, uh, you know, Tonali is going to be a great player and is clearly a magnificent player. But does he have the same energy and running power that... Sean Longstaff does on that right of the three. Um, and Tonali will want to impress a lot more on the ball himself than, than, than Sean Longstaff will. So look, Sean Longstaff did a uh, what looked like a very simple job. It's obviously not a simple job, whereby he wins the ball back, he gets up and down, and he says himself, Bruno makes me look brilliant because I just give him the ball. It's probably simplifying his role a bit, but I think that kind of played into Bruno's game a little bit more with, with, with next to Longstaff, and there was that relationship built over a year and a half. Um, so that you take Longstaff out of the team and you've got Tonali there looking to be on the ball himself and a bit more impressive, and, and that kind of, di- kind of disrupts things. It can be worked out. And then on the other side... You know, Joe Linton moved from the attacking th- th- um, front three back to that midfield three. And is he fit? I mean, he's indestructible. He looks indestructible at times, but he, you know, he didn't look 100% on his, 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 his brutal kind of enforcing game that he, that he were used to. So when you're looking at it, I think you'd, you'd obviously, you, you, I don't think you'd drop Bruno. You'd keep him in there. Um, do you take Tonali out? Can you risk doing that with a big star signing for a game? Um, or do you tweak things and have him and Bruno as the two? Um, do you bring uh, you know Elliot Anderson in on the left-hand side for Joe Linton? I think that's certainly something they might want to do because when you have Joe Linton as the left winger, um, that really shores things up from a left-wing point of view uh, and you have Elliot Anderson in there as the midfield three. There'll be a lot of issues that Eddie Howe's trying to work out in the last two weeks. and I mean, obviously they've come through bad patches before and you'd back him to find some kind of answer that will work against Brentford. And there's a lot you've mentioned there. My thought this week though has been how easy will it be for Eddie Howe to remedy the issues when you have so many players away on international duty and actually the players who are central to the issue. You know, you've Bruno Jolinton away with Brazil, yeah. Trippier, the captain away with England. Now, you obviously want these players to be away with their country. It's great experience, it's great exposure for Newcastle United, but when you've got two weeks, and a lot of people have said, you know, this break's come at the right time because Eddie Howe can work on it. Well, in, 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 yeah, can he? I mean, in reality, can he actually? Because the players you're going to try and solve the issue with aren't there. Yeah, well, two, two of them aren't. I mean, with Bruno and, and Tonali, Bruno did very well for Brazil, didn't misplace a pass, I don't think, and, and got an assist. He was, he was fantastic for Brazil uh, in, in, in the weekend. So, But there is a little bit of precedent here where I think when Eddie Howe is having a, an international break, uh, he will work on something, and the players who have been away might be the ones to miss out. So you can't obviously drop, you can't leave out Bruno and Tonali, but one of those two might well be taken out. And if he's worked on Sean Longstaff and Elliot Anderson for those maybe those two wide positions in the midfield three for two weeks, maybe they get the nod against Brentford. And the sugar being, you, you take Tonali aside and you say, look, your, your big game is AC Milan in midweek. And you say, I want you up for that. You've played twice for Italy. And maybe that's the way of sugaring it with, with Tonali. So I wouldn't, there, there have been times when people have pulled out of international duty for new um and then come back to Newcastle and then being played and there are times when people have been away and there's been a doubt whether they're going you know, there's a slight doubt whether they'd be picked and they haven't been because they've been away and Eddie Howe's not had time to coach them for two weeks so I would suspect that they're they're working on the players who are here and thinking about how to get them in the side but you can't leave them all, all the internationals out obviously yeah that would create something wouldn't it and you mentioned Sean Longstaff there Jimmy Redknapp sparked off um, a, a really interesting debate on social media when he, he was speaking after the Brighton game and he said, look, Sean Longstaff needs to be back in this side. You know, the, the statisticians pulled up stats about how you know, influential Longstaff was when he was starting games. And he, he's still a man that splits opinion. I've seen a lot of people say, well, actually, it's that kind of, when a player's not playing week in, week out, they look better in, 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 in the, yeah. the, the view of many. Where do you stand? Because I, I think 
I think there's a deeper issue for me. I, I don't think Newcastle United uh, have got an out and out number six. I think that's where the issue lies. Now, is Sean Longstaff the answer? He might well have to be until January because I don't think Bruno's got the discipline to, to be that number six. I think he's actually hampered. Um, does Sean Longstaff come in against Brentford? When you talk about number six, you talk about a full-on holding role yeah, so and just screening the defence the and you get it and then you, yeah. you give it. Um, I'm sure Sean Longstaff could be... I don't know if that totally fits with the, the, the formation, but I'm not a tactical genius. Um, but I do think that you know when Sean Longstaff's out the team, Newcastle do miss him. And you know, a few years ago, you might not, might not think that. And he's also probably one of those players who needs to be in the team and doing it regularly to be in the groove. Um, so he looks a better team, but then you've you've got you've spent that money on Tonali, and that was always the, you know, this is the this is the biggest challenge for Eddie Howe this season is how how you get the best out of Tonali um, and Bruno, and when they're both in the team, does it does it work, or do you have to switch formation um, and tweak it a little bit to 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 make it to make it work? Um, I mean, the the doubts about Tonali when we were asking Eddie Howe repeated questions in pre-season was. Has he got the competitiveness? Has he got the toughness? And has he got the, the legs, the intensity for the Premier League and the way Eddie Howe plays coming from Syria, which the stats kind of prove that it's probably the slowest of the leagues, in the major leagues in Europe, um, behind Germany and behind Spain and behind the Premier League. Uh, so that was always the doubt. Now, he, he seemed to prove that he did have all that toughness and all the legs in the first game. Has he done it since? I, I don't know. I've, I, you know... That's why he'd have to decide. So it is a it is a really tough one. But Sean Longstaff is a tough character to leave out of that of that side, and he looks a better he look he looks a more valuable player when he's been left out than he does when people are analysing him when he's in the team. Yeah, I, 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 for me he does come back in, and uh, it's interesting you said that that you don't think maybe that number six is kind of the formation that he was going for. But I, I've just watching back the, the 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 Liverpool game, the City game, and, and the Brighton game, this space between. The defence in that midfield three just so alarming. I mean, you could have driven yeah. a bus through it. Yeah. And for me, that's where I think Newcastle maybe... I, I think they had a good transfer window. I think the players they've brought in have been excellent, building for the future, but also you know they can play for today. Yeah. But I do think the one area maybe where they've let themselves down, also maybe a centre-back, but for me, is that number six. Now, yeah. listeners of the podcast will know, big fan of Tyler Adams. I know if Newcastle signed him, he wouldn't be playing anyway because he's, he's injured. But I, I just feel... They're missing someone who can just sit and yeah. just shield the defence when needed, because you watch Bruno and he, you know it, it's his natural instinct just to drift forward. Mm-hmm. That's what he likes to do. And but it, I, I, I'm just concerned, and it'll be my biggest concern against Brentford on Saturday as well. That if they can manage to get in into that space, you know they've got dangerous players who will punish Newcastle as Brighton did uh, last week. So you're saying that they should have signed an athletic destroyer kind of thing to dominate in yes. front of the defence okay so but you also said um, that they had a good transfer window and I think a lot of fans have, a lot of fans have been questioning that on social media in, in spending you spend 70 million on two reserve fullbacks yeah. who aren't in the team yet aren't bolstering the you know aren't strengthening the, I mean they're giving Kieran Trippier a kick up the backside and Dan Byrne at left back or Matt Target left back uh, competition and they're probably not into the training at Newcastle in the systems yet and being held back, but you you really you're in the Champions League now. It might be a one-off if they can't get top four, top five this year. Surely you'd probably want to spend that seventy million on an impact player now, and or spend fifty million of it now. I know Lewis Hall is on uh, on loan, but the money seems to be kind of committed. So was it was it a good transfer window? I mean, should should they not have gone for now impact in the team rather than? building for the future. Well, it's interesting you say that because I tweeted out, I thought they had a good window and the responses came back pretty much as you've kind of summed up there. Well, have they really? Because yeah. I also said, but they needed a number six and people said, well, how can I have a good window and not sign a number six? I think the players they've signed are very good players and I, and I actually think both of them will be first choice uh, come the start of next season. I know what you're Do saying. You? Yeah, right. I know what you're saying now. That's not now. That's next season. What are you doing with Trippier? I just, I don't know, I just, right back. I know, but I, I just, I just think, I think Livermento might just oust him a lot quicker than people mm. are thinking. Um, that's just, just yeah. my, my opinion. Um, but yes, I, I get the point about that kind of impact now. I mean, Harvey Barnes, um, I think, can fit that narrative. But if we're looking at other positions like a, a centre back that people are after, 
and number six. Even a striker to a certain degree they have, I think, left themselves short. Um, what, what... Have they left themselves overstaffed at left wing as well? well because yes. you've, got, you've got two big money signings in the last two windows worth 80 million quid and you've got uh, Gordon and, and Bonds for, for effectively the same position. And I don't see yet the versatility. I can see the versatility in Gordon in terms of you could play in the middle, he could possibly switch to the right, but it's not their best positions. And you've got 80 million committed on, on, the, on the left wing as well. So that, that also seemed slightly bizarre to me whether why, why you signed Bonds when you've got Gordon. Did you think they should have gone for someone on the right? Someone on the right, or maybe even you, you sell Miggy to Saudi Arabia or wherever, and you, you cash that money in and get someone in on the right. So I think with Miggy's lack of finishing prowess, I mean, he works so hard and he's darty round and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's so energetic, but his lack of class, for want of a better word, in front of goal is costing Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they could have upgraded at that position as well. Moussa Diaby was one that Newcastle liked, didn't, yeah. didn't end up going for, and he started the season really well. Aston Villa. So it, it sounds like, you know, based on what you're saying and what you've, you've seen on, on, on social media, that you think they've not maybe done enough in the market? I mean, I think they, I mean, they, haven't, they probably spent as much as, I mean, I think they, they, they've probably wanted to spend more, but they haven't been able to. I think they're genuine in what they say about that. Um, but just, I mean, we don't know what the prices of the players, they might have wanted it to look different and the, we don't know what the prices are being asked or the... You know the, the the agents' fees or clubs who will, will or won't deal with them. So we don't know what the number one plan was. Um, but I think they've you know they, I think they've done it for the future. I think they they have, they have covered themselves very well for for the future. For two you know two three years down the line, we'll be seeing the benefits of those two fullbacks definitely because Hall looks wonderful on the clips you see and so, and Livermento. They've they've kind of watched him for a couple of years and I've seen him for England under twenty ones and he's 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 really good. So they've covered themselves for a couple of years, but there are we've got to be patient on the transfer front because there are gaps that need plugging in that squad. Right-sided centre-back, for instance. Um, I watched Nice. I was in Nice last Sunday and watched Tadebo, um, Jean-Claude Tadebo play against uh, against um, I can't remember who it was now, um, and he was really good. He, he did a brilliant through ball, long long raking pass, forty yards to set up a goal, and looks really sharp and aggressive. Right-sided centre-back. Good upgrade. Mm. Thirty million was the price. Kind of knocking around him. Thirty, forty million. So he would have been good. So there are gaps to plug in the squad. I think we've probably got to be patient and can't expect it all to be done at once. Do you think the fact that they qualified for the Champions League and it was unexpected? I, I know anyone actually genuinely said they would qualify for the Champions League at the start of last season. And um, well, I, I won't believe you. Uh, do you think that's caught them off slightly? Because it's interesting when we talk about the transfers and we're talking about. Uh, quality we're talking about depth things will have to have changed the strategy and I'm just wondering whether it was kind of everything came at them caught maybe yeah caught them off guard essentially to a certain uh, no I think qualifying I don't buy into this thing well they've done it too early or they're not quite ready if you qualify for it you're ready and you take the you take the chance sport sporting sports about surprising people and making the step up and taking your opportunities when you've got them and Newcastle took that opportunity uh and it's going to be worth what the bottom line is. Eel said on the documentary, fifty million could well be more than that. Could be seventy, eighty if they if they go a bit further. So I don't buy the by the by the argument that it's it's come too early. I think you you do the games, you have the adventure, everyone gets excited. It can, it can only be um, something which produces adrenaline and excitement amongst the squad and amongst the fans. And it's it's a nice it's a, it's actually going to turn out to be a brilliant distraction yeah. if they can go to Milan and get a win in the draw against Brentford. Then. You know, you kind of it's kind of easing the uh, the league, the worries about the league. So, uh, I think the Champions League is only a good thing, and it's a great test, and people can step up and get experience in that, because uh, that's definitely needed in the, in the Newcastle squad. European experience, um, so it's a good thing. Some comments from our viewers who are watching live: DRB, Madison, Zabazai are the three that definitely got away. I mean, all three have started the season brilliantly for their respective clubs. All three on. Some sort of list for Newcastle. Jordy Tune for Life says, personally, fans need to calm down. It's never as bad as you think and also never as good as you think. And there was also a comment saying, no one complains about the window until the City game, I suppose. Yet yeah, reactions are always based on results and how well the club are doing. Johnny says, they've had a good window. We need the left back in Trippier. I can't play 50 plus games this season. I will ask you in a moment about the left back because it is a, it's a, another big topic when it comes to Newcastle personnel. But just on 
that midfield three, you know, Eddie Howe makes a lot about he doesn't pigeonhole players. You know, there's no not really a set position. You know, he's very mm-hmm. fluid with how he picks his players. Is that causing issues? Do you think, or you know, it worked last season, so you just got to kind of back it to work again this season, even though it takes it a little bit longer to get up to the successful levels of the last campaign. Um, I think Eddie Howe's got got new challenges this season on 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 a lot of fronts, and that and having a bigger squad. Like last year, you could almost pick that team every week, bar one or two little tweaks on the left hand side. You would know what he was going to do when everyone was fit, and this year you you. You're juggling players. You're juggling. You're making players unhappy. Uh, he had that with Wilson and Isaac last year, but this year he's got Barnes and Gordon. And then when Willock gets fit, he's got Joel Linton or Willock, um, or whether you play them both and leave Gordon and Barnes out. So there are a lot of like there's a lot of difficult like kind of team management decisions. And we we spoke to Eddie Howe once on the touchline after after the game when St James was empty, and he said it's it's. The job, his job is it's not just tactical and training them and putting on interesting sessions it's massively psychological in terms of how you get into players heads and the hardest thing is getting in a player's head and keeping them motivated and hungry when when you tell them they're not on the team and they're going to be sitting on the bench and then they might not get on and they've got to you know we're there at six o'clock after a game and instead of playing in front of 52,000 they're doing strides up and down the pitch and that's their job for the day and that must be pretty annoying and miserable for a player um but I think the Newcastle should have enough games to keep everyone happy this year. And it also is about everyone just having to, when, they, when you get your chance, you've got to absolutely show that, show that top four level quality. Is, and, yeah, so. is there an issue, because I've seen a lot of people as well state that the kind of the subs that Eddie makes, they're, they're, they're always kind of like for like. So we talk about depth, but have they got the players that can change the game not in terms of you know scoring a goal I mean that's obviously the, the change you would want if you're not winning what have you but just in terms of being able to change the way the team play because it's usually you know Gordon comes off Barnes comes on or mm-hmm. you know, Wilson comes on for ease so, or vice yeah. versa so is do you think that's something they're going to have to look to remedy in, in, in the windows to come where they're bringing in players where the manager Eddie Howe can actually change the game formation wise instead of just doing like for like so yeah. is that a bit unfair do you think I don't know I think well if you're like Eddie Howe and you you Working at four three three, and that's the preferred one. That's what you've done all your set running on and the patterns of play. It's kind of a bit, a bit. I mean, it's a bit desperate if you start like, you know, if you haven't got another way of playing. If you if you if you're just going to like completely throw that 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 formation out the window. Maybe some games you've got to. I mean, that that weird game in uh, against Aston Villa in America where they just they played like a back three and yeah. um, Matt Target was almost playing like a left winger way advanced and and there was holes all over the pitch maybe I, I don't know whether that was that was an experiment we didn't get the time to go into detail with how about that but maybe he was trying something new there a, a three four three or a um there must be something else in his armory that he's thinking about um which one day he'll surprise us with after a bad run or even after, after a, a good run because that's something else yeah. i keep mentioning the comments that people have, i've seen over the last couple of weeks on social media that some have also said is is there a plan b what is what is the turn to if if, if the, the, this setup isn't working if Newcastle as they did against Brighton just totally just fell off the off mm. a cliff what does Eddie Howe have in his pocket which can change the game on its head completely um, well I think the biggest armory that we've got is is by saying to the front players you give us your flat out one hour performance and give us everything you've got which is total intensity and, and sprinting and running you're not saving yourself to get through a 90 minute game you're going bang for an hour and then they've got the strength and depth now to change the entire front three and then give them half an hour battering teams when the defence are getting tired. Usually defenders aren't substituted off in rival teams and that's that's where Newcastle's strength has been in the last in the last year or so and it certainly was you know, against Aston Villa when they, steam ro- they were steamrollering them towards the end. So I think that's the biggest change of change of game weapon they've got I mean rugby union you see they're called they call they don't call them subs anymore they call them finishers and they bring on you know a new front row and the new front rows dynamic coming in the last 20 minutes of the game you know maybe Newcastle should call their their subs finishers now and and because they can finish off the game maybe I think you will have like tactical um, formations and tweaks that he'll, he wants to do. You know, sometimes when we're, when we're writing match reports and filing 600 words at a game, we, we're not sitting back and we're not like actually spotting these these little tweaks that he's making as he 
is he taking the fullback out and pushing him forward and tucking him in or whatever whatever he's trying to do. So often would and then obviously we ask a manager and he's not going to tell us completely his tactics, his yeah. is, is, is tweaks and tactics. So um Eddie Howe's probably thinking if he if he ever what he wouldn't watch this, but uh, you know that he has got lots of tactical yeah, ideas. Well, He'll have loads he of tactics. He might be tuning. He in might be tuning now for a few ideas. I mean, let's not do ourselves <laughs> down, Andrew. Um, but I bet he's got a few things in his armory which he could uh, he could switch to. Um, Joe Linton is a really interesting one for me. Player of the season last yeah. year. You know, he's, he's just a totally different beast under Eddie Howe. But for the past few games, Eddie Howe has been quite open and said, "Look." He's either not trained or he's done light training. He's not been put fully through his paces yet. He's made it into that starting eleven. Now, for me, when Julian isn't on form, Newcastle don't perform as well. But the mm. fact that he's not training day in, day out, and being part of you know whatever Eddie Howe's doing during the week, that can't be good for him. It can't be good for Newcastle United. No, no, you're right. And he's he's away with Brazil, wasn't he? He came on for Bruno the other day, so he's away, all that travelling again. So he clearly is fit enough to play, but it. He looks like the kind of guy who gets injured but just like ignores it and gets on with it, which is a brilliant character trait to have because no footballer is ever 100% really during the season. However, my, I, would, I would say one prediction that I would give you now is that Elliot Anderson was called up for the Scotland squad and whether that's him wondering whether to play for Scotland or England or what, I, I would suggest that's him going, he didn't, he's not sure about Scotland, yes, but he actually fancied maybe Eddie Howe's been in his ear and said, I need you here training for two weeks I, I would predict that against Brentford at home maybe Elliot Anson gets a run out in that left hand midfield position if Joe Linton's getting back on Thursday Friday, Thursday late and only has one training session before that game I reckon Elliot Anson who has earned himself a chance uh, through his pre-season performances might get in there What's your reckon Tanani, Bruno Anderson well I, 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 like I said before I mean I would, we're playing fancy manager here for Eddie Howe <laughs> and his coaches but um I think you might just give Tenali a rest and put him on the bench and put uh, put Anderson on the left and Sean Longstaff on the right with Bruno. I think Bruno, you know, you go back to last kind of last year's thing and you 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 put the two guys who you've trained with for two weeks tactically, formation wise, drilling at the heads, you put them in and give them a chance. We'll wait and see what the team uh, sheet reveals on Saturday, four thirty it'll be out on five thirty kickoff, isn't it? Um mm. Yeah, going to be really interesting. Just on on Bruno contract news, you know, it was felt by some that it was near completion months ago. Then it kind of everything went quiet. It's set to be close once again. Liverpool reportedly a late hundred million pound bid. Do you think he's been distracted by talk of his of his future? Yeah, I think when they are. I mean, when when a player comes and I mean, he took a big gamble and uh, to come, and he he was the one who injected initially, and that first ever press conference he did when they were in the relegation zone, and he and he said, "We're we're going to get to Europe, we're going to get the Champions League, we're going to win some trophies," and we were going, "I want to sell this guy." We're, we're mile, the Newcastle are miles away from that at the moment. He injected that ambition, and then he's done eighteen months or a year and a bit of absolutely proving himself world class, you know, top top notch, vital to the team. And I think when you've done that on a certain level of contract as a thirty-five million pound player, and suddenly people are talking about you as a hundred million pound player, you do. The reality of football economics is that you you think you deserve more. You've been a big cog in them getting to the Champions League and earning fifty-five whatever it is million more, and you start thinking, I need I need a bit more money. It's kind of it's not greedy. It's just football economics. It's what players expect. Um. So they they have they. They had to upgrade his contract. I mean, I hope there's a there's a release clause in there of like 100, 130 million or something stupid like that because you can see Newcastle. Well, let's, first of all, it, it has been a distraction. You asked this distraction question. It has been because in the summer we interviewed him at a, an event in New Jersey outside New York, and we asked the contract question, and he said, "Yeah, it's, well, there is some doubt." And he used he used he used himself the word doubt. Um, he wasn't like spoiling to be away or anything like that. He was just saying there's a bit of doubt over his future. So in the back of his mind, he's getting a message out there. So uh, it would be good to get it resolved so that he's happy. He's also had a, he's also got another baby on the way, and he he's been the big man at Newcastle for a couple of years now. He's been the big star, huge personality, really infectious. Um, and obviously he's got Tonali. Tonali's coming probably on more money than him. I mean, he, he, and you don't want that if you're Bruno. You know, he players are full of prestige, and 
Um, they they want that they notice that kind of thing. So he'll want to be on equal money to Tonali, I would have thought. So, but if they do give him a new contract, at some point Newcastle are going to be sellers as well. So if you think you've got two three years the best out of Bruno, and it's time to go, Real Madrid's your dream or. Barcelona's your dream or Atletico Madrid's your dream which you can kind of see happening at some point I mean even Darren Eels has admitted that that there are times when you can't stop a player going because it's their dream club from where they've come from Brazil Um, I hope they stick a clause in which gets Newcastle 120 million and they can reinvest it amazingly you know yeah I mean they'll do that at some point like Liverpool have sold Suarez they've, they've sold various players for 100 million down the end people complained but you got to do that I think when that day happens and like you say it, it, it will most likely happen um, at some point you can be rest assured that the ownership the transfer team have a plan they're not just going to mm-hmm. say right yeah we're going to cash in now or we're going to let him follow his, his dream without actually having a replacement coming up behind yeah. him because that, I mean, that kind of sounds like the Newcastle of old doesn't it but we know this Newcastle will have a, have a contingency plan in maybe place it's, maybe it's Tenali Maybe Tonali then get, takes a bigger role as the you know pillow like Potentially Lewis Miley can come through and Lewis Miley can come in. Yeah, know. so there's there's a, there's, a, there's a there's a yeah production line there. That's, that's yes to come. <laughs> yes to come yet. Hopefully, really interesting to see when that uh, contract um, will be announced. If indeed it is nearing completion, uh, jump back into the comments. Got loads of people tuning in here. Nigel says, uh, "So lads, Harvey Barnes twelve goals last term. Class Miggy twelve goals last term. Not class." No, Harvey Bonds is, is class, isn't he? I he mean, is, he's, 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 he's making like, the point that he scored the same amount of goals as Miguel Almiron last season. Oh, right, got, got you. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Um, well, Harvey Bonds is a finisher, and I think he's an upgrade finisher on Almiron, who had his hot streak, but then has blazed a few over the bar. Uh, do you know what? People know this, because I am the self-proclaimed founder of the Miguel Almiron fan club here on the podcast. Are you? Oh. I am. And... I think he got. I think he's had a really unfair press over the last, over the start of this season. You know, against Liverpool, he, I felt he was the most threatening player on the pitch. I know everyone will say Gordon, but I think yeah. in terms of shots on goal and actually threatening the goal, you know, Miggy was an injury from scoring one of the best goals he'll ever see. St James part of that save from Allison was unbelievable, yeah. and the run as well, smashes off the post. Such fine margins. Everyone will say it's always fine margins, but yeah. I do think if you take him out of the side. You will notice it. You will notice a difference defensively, and people say, "Well, you're not going to notice a difference attacking because he doesn't score goals." But I, I think he'll he'll start scoring again soon. I do think defensively, though, he adds he adds a heck of a lot to that team. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, look, he's he's great, and I don't. We don't. The problem is, Miggy, we've we've not heard his story. He doesn't read. He he must speak English, but he's never. We don't understand him as a as a player, like journalistically, because. He just doesn't. He doesn't speak. He doesn't. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't come out. The other players you're looking in several times. We've looked him in the eye and we've asked him questions and we've heard their personal stories and that's been great and it's great for the fans to hear that. But maybe Miggy needs to come out a bit and and you know actually you know t- just tell us about himself and explain where he, where to he's... listeners and what what difference do you think that would make if he was a bit more open and he did a few more interviews and, and told his story? Yeah, well, I think we, it, it would. It, it would tell us what his ambitions are and what his strengths and weaknesses are where he's coming from as a person how he and how he you know what he thinks about Newcastle and his life here and I think that all builds up a picture in your mind where I'm maybe being sitting here you're not being critical I'm being a bit critical of him or doubting him I think that might you know I think looking someone in the eye asking questions and hearing hearing them speak kind of you know, it shows you a lot about their character and where they're coming from and what kind of personality they I are I guess wanting to know whether he sees the negativity and how he reacts to that is, is kind of maybe one of the key elements. Because you, you, yeah. you're right, we do speak to players and you, we say, well, you know, how, how do you react to this or that? Or even Eddie Howe in recent weeks when people have said, well, we're there, why did you take Tonali off? And he's fronted up to that yeah. criticism. And I suppose understand how players, managers react to criticism is, is maybe one way. Yeah. And we could, we could ask him then, what, you know, you, you, you know, you're finishing, is it suspect or is it, are, are you converting as many chances as you want to and how you're working on that and have you done extra training on it? And just, just asking those difficult questions of a player and then hearing their honest answers and how it's tormenting them or they're putting extra work in, it kind of gives you, it just, it just softens the whole criticism a little bit and makes you understand where they're coming from and that they, they know that it's, a, you know, if you admit your weaknesses and you're working on them, fair enough, you know, we, okay, we, we understand that and you're working on them and, you know, everyone can go away thinking he, he knows it. You yeah. Know. 
Uh, it would be interesting to get an insight from Miggy. Uh, Jordy Toon for Life says a lot of games coming up and everyone who deserves a chance will play. Bruno Romanoff asks, what about going for a midfield of Bruno, Jalinton and Isaac with Barnes, Wilson and Gordon up front? So, I mean, that... But, but Bruno, Joe Linton yeah. and Isaac. Isaac yeah, on the right. right. Yeah. As a midfield. Yeah, I'm gonna just, I think you need Isaac just doing his thing yeah. and, and tricking defenders. It, but, I mean, Isaac... Wilson debates another one that's come up. Obviously, Wilson scored a really nice goal against Brighton, but Isaac has, has had the nod. Some people calling for Wilson to be reinstated. I don't think we're going to see both them in a, in a starting eleven for Newcastle. I, I can't see it happening. I think it'll be one or the other. Yeah. Would you reinstate Callum Wilson against Brentford? I know you're, what you might is well, you know, Isaac's away with international with Sweden, yeah. so more likely. But longer term. Well, yeah, yeah, I can see them playing together because I think Isaac is a, a big danger off the left as well. But then Newcastle got two specialist left wingers that cost them 80, 80 million. So that that way, that thing, if Isaac could play on the right, I, I don't know if he can. He's not, probably not his best side. Um, maybe he could. But that kind of, the signings they've made have like kind of negated the need to use Isaac off the left, which we saw at Everton was one of his, his amazing positions. Mm. So... Will he ever? Will we see him ever on the left? Now they've got Gordon and 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 Barnes on the left. So it's kind of a bit weird that that that, that whole over strengthening of the of the attacking left side. I mean, Isaac on the right. I needed. I should have vetted you before I allowed you on the podcast. You're really <laughs> determined to get Miggy out of the starting eleven. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's your favourite player. <laughs> I, I I just can't see them start. I think if they'd brought a third striker in, then maybe. I just think it's a massive risk because you know, they're both really excellent players, but. How much can you back Callum Wilson to make it through the season if he's starting week in, week out? And I just think Isaac is, is very useful on the left, but I think sometimes I, I, he's not as dangerous on the left. And I think when you see him up front, he, he tends to drift out a little bit wide and then run in. But if you kind of pigeonhole him out on the left, I, I think it becomes less effective. Mm. I can see Wilson though starting on Saturday. Possibly, but he's also away with England and. I mean, he missed. He's missed training. He didn't take part in one of the early English training sessions because of um, workload or game management load or you know physical load. So there clearly is like you know he, he's not turning up for England and doing all the sprints yeah. and doing doing all the stuff. He needs he needs to rest his body. So there's still that little question mark. I love Callum Wilson, but there's still that little question mark about his, his robustness in terms of injury, getting injuries. So I think Isaac will be up front, and then you bring Wilson on. Either as well as Isako instead of for the last 20 minutes. I'm hoping Newcastle will uh, be well ahead uh, by then. Jordy Toon for Life says formations are changing mid game. Fans just think we play 4 3 3, and that's it. But if you watch the game carefully, we do change systems. And we have um, Jordy Toon for Life also saying he, uh, that he's a big fan of Joe Linson, but he's been poor in the majority of games which is, I, I just don't think he's been fully fit. And I think that goes into that question about what we're asking. Like, it can't be good if he's not training week in and week out than to expect him to play 90 minutes. And maybe he does need to be taken out just until he builds yeah. up his his, his fitness. Um, we've got Johnny saying, Isaac, I think, went nine games without a goal or assist from left wing. So not a fan of playing him out on the, the, the flank there. Long staff needs... In needs to be in to mop up, says Andy. That's what we are missing. Um, yeah, I mean, the big Isaac Wilson debate is 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 raging. Uh, Isaac is just class, says Philip. But till we get a midfield that is willing to burst forward and fill the gap centrally when he pulls out wide, it has to be Wilson for him. How many times have we seen Isaac pull defenders out of position and nobody busting the gut to get in onto the crosses into the box? I guess that's where Joe Willick maybe comes into play. Yeah, the legs of Joe Willock getting forward and being able to score a goal and do a dangerous pass. Yeah, you, you need those people breaking from midfield. I mean, Tonali did it for his goal in that first game against Villa. He got into the box and you need, if it, if they are going to pull out wide at the centre-half, you need someone coming through through the middle as well. Bruno, but he tends not to get in the box, doesn't he? He tends to hang around the edge of the box and look for the, the clever ball. How much of a, an issue has it been, do you think, about the fact that Willock has had another setback? We know... He was really instrumental last season to Newcastle's success. Obviously, picked up that hamstring injury, wasn't it against? Brighton? Yeah, big hamstring yeah. injury. I mean, he was he was really struggling to walk upstairs after that yeah. after that game. So, I mean, he's obviously a big part of Eddie Howe's 
plans. I mean, we, we do need to see more goals from him. He didn't score enough goals last season. Um, and I was hoping this season he would, he, you know, he, he'd, he'd start and he'd set the world alight. But obviously, he's been knocked back by this injury. And even, you know, getting back into full training, what, what we're thinking, maybe a, a few weeks, a month, perhaps? It looks like he's going to be, you know, end of October, what is it now, September the 10th, maybe the end of October? I so mean, the knock-on effect of that is, when are you going to see Joe Willick fully fit? Because for the way he plays, you know, it's sounds staff to say, but he has to be near enough to 100% because, he, like we say, he sprints at the box, he's fast, he's quick. You know, that hamstring can, can pop at any yeah. time if you're not. I mean... We could be looking at maybe the turn of the year before we're seeing a fully fit and ready to go. Yeah, to which is a, is a pity. But this is when like the you know the number of games you've got and Newcastle want to challenge on every front. You've got the you know the car, you've got the Carabao Cup um, where you can say to these players, look, your target in that game, we want you 100. percent This is your chance to prove yourself and get back to fitness or get a game. So there's we're gonna have to. I think we'll see a rejigged rejigged team in the Carabao Cup and of people who haven't had games. Uh, in the Premier League and in, in Europe or just bits and bobs I think some people without sounding negative might say well if you're in for the Carabao well, Cup for Joe Willick you might not get that chance because of course Newcastle play Man City, Man City. but I'm going to yeah. offer a bit of positivity in saying Newcastle are going to are going to beat City Man City will be doing the same in that competition they're not going to be playing their 100% first team there'll be kids involved and yeah. fringe players still pretty good though yes yeah, still yeah just to say the least um, Lewis Hall then obviously on loan, we know if everything goes to plan, he'll be signed permanently next uh, next summer. Uh, his versatility seems to be really key. Some that Eddie Howard has really liked. People have been talking about him potentially playing as that that number six uh, in some instances. But we think he's coming in as that left back. Mm. A lot of people have already called for him to be ahead of Dan Byrne. How do you see the next few weeks going? Is it is Brentford too soon for Lewis Hall? Uh, not necessarily. If, if Botman's out... Um... Matt, was everyone happy with Matt Target's performance um, at Brighton? I'm not sure. Dan Byrne moving into the into the into the centre back position. I mean, I, you know, I think how likes to work with players for a while before and really get them up to fitness before he throws them in. I think that you know it would take for an 18 year old to be strong enough and robust enough or seen as physic physically enough good enough to go straight into that team I don't know I think that's probably unlikely and he'd probably go with the experience of target but in in a month's time that might be very different and he should be he could be pushing burn and certainly target for that left back position the issue with target for me is that obviously he's had his injury issues and then even when he was fit he couldn't get the better of Dan Byrne who's traditionally a centre back and just when you look at him he should not be playing left back but somehow just manages always to, to come through you then got Newcastle signing a youngster coming in who can play left back my target must just be thinking well we're there I've, I've left Aston Villa because I couldn't get first team football I've come here I can't get in the team ahead of a centre back at left back and now they've gone out and signed someone for big money yeah. inevitably they're going to end up playing him you know he's a quality player as well does that do you think because you watched him against Liverpool he got a lot of, he got a lot of stick for one of the, the goals when Salah passed through to Nunes and again against Brighton he looked all out would see at some points yeah. Do you think his mind's affected a little bit by what he's Maybe. seen off the pitch? Yeah, and I think towards the end of last year, did he have a shin problem where he couldn't do do like the physical work? And I think when he he showed it, he saw him on the pitch and saw him doing the running afterwards, and that really you could tell he wasn't like one hundred percent in terms of the running power that you need from a left back. Um, I don't know. I think he's one of those players who's done a great job for Newcastle. Then he was re-signed as a as a backup because that they weren't going to commit a load of money last summer. Summer to you know more than a year ago for a, a expensive left back and I think he's I don't know it's really harsh to say but he's probably one of those players who'll gradually get eased out or or sold, sold on eventually from the squad when Hall has kind of proved himself and you've still got Dan Byrne in there as cover and yeah I mean he's got to hang in there and, and, and get fully fit and you know he's playing against Brentford on he's got a great chance against Brentford on, on Saturday to prove prove everyone wrong again you know, fingers crossed he can take that, that chance. It, it, it's interesting that we're talking about Lewis Hall left back. I mean, a lot of it maybe rests on the fitness of Sven Botman. I mean, he's just, he's, he, I mean, he looks like an absolute bargain for the amount of money Newcastle United paid from. The first question is, how do you think Byrne did be moved back into the centre? Because I think the worry is, from a lot of people, it just lacks pace. If you've got Byrne, you've got Fabian Chair, it's just lacking pace. Never, I mean, Brentford have got some pacey players about yeah. them. 
that is a slight concern, I think, if it is Burn in a chair on Saturday. Yeah, and Newcastle, I mean, they kind of like, like to play like a high line and just trust themselves and, and be on top of teams and winning it, winning the ball back high up rather than having to make leap, make, make, give, you know, give ground because of a lack of pace at, at the back. Um, I don't know, I, I, still, I still back Dan Byrne. I think he's a great character to be in the team. Um, it's a different position completely. I mean, obviously, he's not, he doesn't add as much as Sven Botman. Botman's diagonal passes when he was spraying those around to switch in play are, are amazing. Um, I, you know, you, you go with Dan Byrne if Botman's not there. He's the stand-in left, left side, centre, centre-half. What is the feeling with, with Botman? Do we think Saturday will come too soon? Um, I don't know. I've not. I've, I've only been back work two days, Andrew. Can I? <laughs> can you give us a chance? Um, well, he's been working hard. He's been on his Instagram, <laughs> posting videos of him in the gym and stuff. Has so he? He's oh, getting right. back. Right. So uh, we're hope, on the treadmill. We're kind of hopeful. Yeah. He's running. He's running. Well, he was, on, he? was on the. No, he was on a bike. He was on a on, on a, a bike. bike See, there's bike. a grading of comeback from injury. So oh, you're, a you're in the gym doing a few weights on your upper body. You're still out. You're on the bike. Well, you're still a bit knackered because well, last week. So that was last week. That was last week. I mean, the test is: is he on the grass? Yeah. Is he running around the perimeter of the pitches yet with the visuals? Well, we'll have to wait That's for, what we need to see for uh, Serena to <laughs> upload the training pics and see if uh, Bottman is indeed out training because Newcastle just a totally different yeah. outfit with him in. He's just he's, he's just unbelievable. And yeah. um, what a signing he has been. Um, yeah, I mean, then I suppose just looking at the rest of the, the, the likely team, obviously Trippier away, you, you can't see any, I don't think, massive changes against Brentford, can you, other than maybe in that midfield? I think the midfield will he'll change up. I mean, will he give Murphy a run out? I mean, I'm I'm sacking off Miggy again here, but Murphy being impatient might be impatient for a little, little try at right right wing. Um, I mean, Longstaff in and Elliot Anderson, like I said, for the midfield three, and then the defence. If Botman Botman comes back, Dan Byrne goes to left back. It just feels like a lot of changes for an Eddie Howe side. Do you think? Just doesn't yeah, when we're talking about it, it just doesn't feel like an Eddie Howe kind of thing. To, I know no. the international break and duty will play a part. In that and and but and the Champions League coming. That is true. So you know, give them you know, give them that character. Whoever you leave, leave out, give the character of the Champions League. On game. that, how how do you think Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, and the rest of the staff will be handling that challenge? The Champions League is just it's it's totally new to them. It's new, but it's still. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's probably, I mean, all the video analysis that they do of the Premier League sides, it's it's probably kind of refreshing for them. It's probably switching their brains on a bit more that they've, they're looking at the Italian league and they're seeing new players and seeing how AC Milan play. And I, I think they'll find areas where Newcastle can, can do really well against Inter Milan. I mean, there was this, like, um, watching when I was on holiday, watching the draw come in and there was like a massive split between Newcastle fans of like, oh my God, that's a disaster, we've got no chance. And people going, oh, brilliant, this is why we're in the Champions League, we want to play three completely top-quality teams and who, who have got big followings and a bit of a history. I was in the camp of, this is brilliant, you know, this is why you're in the yeah, Champions League. Too. I don't want to go and play young boys and, and all the fringy sides in the Champions League. I want, to, I want the best, you know, Paris and Milan, you couldn't ask, couldn't ask for any better than that. So I think it'll be like a massive stimulation to the coaching staff to to watch different teams and work out different systems and actually a confidence builder in that there are elements of a Premier League, a powerful Premier League, Premier League side like Newcastle that could really do some damage against even Champions League semi-finalists from last year, AC Milan. Yeah. I think there's, there's elements there which they can work on it's, and It's exploit. a brilliant draw. I've got written down on my notes here, welcome group of death, because I think it's just absolutely brilliant. You're going to want to play the very best. Now, I'll yeah. ask a few more questions on the Champions League in a moment. Just dive back into the comments, Andy, saying we do need Botman back. Now, Ian has said, uh, we haven't even seen the new players yet, and he said it's really frustrating to see all this negativity, um, which I will say, I don't think it's necessarily negativity. It's just analysing the clear issues that are, are there at the moment, which I fully back anyhow to, to, to remedy, but you can't not pretend they're not there because yes. you can have your head in the stand because they've been so you know, evident in, in, in the opening games of the, the season. Um, uh, on that point, I'm, I'm quite pleased that Newcastle fans are... I mean, f for me, it all got a bit happy-clappy and nothing can go wrong and we're great and isn't this wonderful and Newcastle are going to win the league and, oh, we're naturally going to get to, like, cup finals every year. And, like, it's been a little... last three games have been a bit of a reality check and everyone's thought, yeah, they're not quite there yet. And I think the analysis and intelligent analysis that fans are doing... Um, picking apart the squad and it's not negativity and it's not treachery 
to do that. It's just normal fandom and we're doing it. And it's a talking point and it's what football is in, in, a, in a one club city around the pubs where everybody's interested in how the team are doing. No one's like irrationally condemning players or or shouting Eddie Howe out, you're useless. And this throw, throw the... Throw, Throw everything out with you know, and, and I don't think Eddie, Eddie Howe would want to bury his no. head in the sand either. He, he he'll have spent the last two weeks trying to analyze and yeah. trying to work out why it has gone so wrong. Because the performance against Brighton, you can let's forget about the other time he would have been angry at the way the Liverpool game went, but specifically the, the performance against Brighton, it would have come maybe as a bit of a well, it would have come as a surprise to him. He, he would, be, would have been nothing shell shocked in the hours yeah. afterwards, just thinking, how, how did we perform so badly after a week of so much hard work after yeah. a week of watching Brighton get thumped by West Ham you know both yeah. clubs came into that game on, on, on bad bad results really um, and one club obviously ran away with it so I think anyhow we'll, we'll be, you know welcome them criticism welcome them the chance to kind of fix the issue oh totally and like we you know if fans are disappointed are disappointed and showing disappointment and, and we are the media are down the, the lost three games but you know you're dealing with like 25 ultra professionals here and it's a manager who doesn't sleep if and is tormented by every loss and if the fans are disappointed times that by a thousand for the way it feels to be Eddie Howe and his staff and his players because they, they you know they're feeling it more than anyone you've got it's not like a group of players sometimes you have a little disconnect and you think the players don't care or the manager's you know not really into it and he's not not looking for all the answers like at least Newcastle fans now know they've They've got an ultra-professional operation with, with ambition who are searching and debating every an, for every answer that they can, can find. It's, you, know, you can trust the club in that, in that sense now. Yeah, 100%. Johnny says, we can't judge our business on four games against tough opposition when they've had barely a chance to integrate into the team. We can see how long it takes uh, players to settle. And I think that's kind of the, 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 the point of many, you know, just give the players a bit of time. And like I say, I'm Fully back and anyhow to um to turn this uh, little blip around. We've got um Johnny again saying I'm tempted to give Lascelles a go at the back four of Bottoms missing um he has some pace and physicality which I think I don't think he's ever let the, um you know the club down last season when he did come in against Liverpool Man City. Mm-hmm. He can start, I think he can clearly still do um a job um but yes the Champions League very very uh, just a fantastic group um. Tell me, uh, tell our listeners and viewers some of the tales of covering Newcastle in the Champions League. Oh, I mean, uh, that, was, that was 20 years ago and I'm now one of the oldest ones in the press pack who I just started the job here on the Mirror um, when Newcastle signed Bellamy and Robert, got Shearer fit again and then qualified. And uh, yeah, I was, I was at Milan when they played Inter um, in the, I can't remember, what, there was two group stages in that year. Yeah. So it was a bit weird. They had to qualify for a start and went to Sarajevo and they beat Zell Jesnikar, like very narrowly, maybe 1-0. Titus Bramble was playing his first game. and um, They had a great side there with Robert and um, Dyer and Speed and Solano and Shearer and Bellamy. And it was, it was a cracking, cracking outfit. Uh, and there were wonderful trips. I mean, Juventus, Turin. We did, um, I've actually done a little series for, for the Mirror um, on some of like the personal memories of of that uh, of, of that campaign because there were some funny stories and all European trips threw up some daft stories. Um, it was just a massive privilege. That those days we actually flew on the same flight as the players, so that was a um, a unique experience. And one one of the one of the embarrassing things was like when you'd if they'd lost because Newcastle lost their first three games in the Champions League last time and then won the next three and qualified. <laughs> Oops, qualified for the second group stage, uh, and you know when, when we'd given them all fours and fives, having lost one of those away games, and and then we were at the back, we were sat at the back of the plane, and then someone would bring on like a, a bundle of free newspapers, and it was like, for instance, it would be the Daily Express, and it was like Niall, Niall Hickman, they're all getting your paper. What did you give them? And you could see the players thumbing through the merit marks, going you. Because they care, do they? They, they care. do care about the merit marks. Yeah, yeah. And then you would, uh, you know, there was the. Uh, you know, Bellamy was always dead sparky and and spiky, and if you if you'd written something about him, because he's obviously there's a few controversies which he was involved in, and he you'd walk up the you'd have to walk onto the plane past all the players, and Bellamy would pull you, Simon, Simon, why are you a journalist? And it, and you shit, I don't want to have this out now in front of the entire squad, Craig. Can we can <laughs> we speak about this later? So there was a, there was funny elements like that, and then 
you know, there was uh, you know, there was a fight in the airport once between John John Carver and Bellamy. Um, well, we had that one, yeah. Rum- rumbles. We're having a press conference with Bobby Robson, and there's rumbles in behind this like flimsy screen. And we're thinking, what's going on there? That's all a bit weird. Obviously, it came out later that there'd been a chair thrown that just missed Gary Speed, and they'd been wrestling on the floor. So there was all sorts of like daft conf- confrontational stuff, but also just the excitement of seeing. Um, Newcastle play in a foreign land in a new you know players who were it was there was a bit more mystery about it 20 years ago because it wasn't like the blanket coverage uh, that there is now in football manager where everyone under 30 knows every player in Europe and has a, an opinion on them um, it was it was it was a there was a lot more difference between in styles between teams then as well there was a continental patient style probably in, in Newcastle's kind of energetic style then but just going, seeing fans happy and abroad and singing um, the daft songs in Milan. I've never seen a have you ever seen a Makim in Milan and um, just weird places you'd visit Moscow, Kharkiv with, with Alan Pardew. Um, the it really they're the kind of memories which were missed for ten years when it all apart from the UEFA Cup season. Wait, I mean, you couldn't have picked three better cities to get to this time around. I mean, Paris, Dortmund and, and, and Milan. I mean, yeah. it's going to be something special to see all the fans in, in Milan. I'm sure the song you've just mentioned there will get an airing <laughs> once or twice. You mentioned there the experience of Alan Shearer, Gary Speed. I think one of my big concerns about this Newcastle United squad is the lack of experience. And I know people say, well, you've got Tenali's done quite a lot for a 23-year-old. You've got Kieran Trippier as well. But I think overall... I, I, I do think they miss experience in the Champions League again. It's a total different board game to anything that most of these players have been involved yeah. in. Yeah, no, it is totally. And um, even going back like that twenty years ago, when Bobby got them there, he would he he won press conference. He he brought the stats out and he said, "Well, look at us. We've got like six appearances in the Champions League in my entire squad." And Gary Neville is playing for Man U in, in another match tomorrow, and he's got fifty-four games in the Champions League, and someone's got fifty odd. So he was pointing out even then. That, that Newcastle squad and that that's, didn't have the experience and that's like the importance of to be able to deal with these kind of adventures um, they can all be new and they could do well and get through um, and get to the quarterfinals but but to do it year after year is the real test to get the Champions League's money coming in and your coefficient which gets you more money naturally from UEFA um, and gets you a better seeding in the pot draw that all that all spirals to make you like a, a an established Champions League club, and maybe if it goes to top five this year, which it could do if English clubs do well, maybe Newcastle can get back in there. Can they get top four? It's like a real big ask again, isn't it? Jeez, um, but that's what that's the experience they need. You know, they either the buy players who've got the experience, or you get it yourself by being in there year after year. Yeah, but just to be there and and talking about facing PSG. I mean, what. I've, it's still, it's still, I don't think it still sounds uh, real to, to most fans. Mm. But um, well, Mbappe, it's in James's park. I mean, it's gonna be. That's just an exciting experience. And and do you know what? It's really funny because the three teams that they've drawn against each have their little kind of side stories with Newcastle. Obviously, the PSG, and you've got the kind of the, the comparisons with the ownership. You've then got Dortmund in the Battle of the Flags, which is going to be fantastic, yeah. and then Milan, you know, Tenali going, yeah. going uh, back home. Which, you know, you, you, one of those would have been perfect for the headlines, but you've got three. Yeah. You know, it's going to be fantastic, yeah. let alone the football on the pitch. Um, we've got a question here from Joy Tune for Life. It says, what about Nick Pope's form? Great shot stopper, but this season he doesn't look the same, and kicking is dreadful um, at fault um, against Brighton for, for one of the goals. What do you think is? I mean, obviously he's a very, very good goalkeeper. He earned Newcastle so many points last season. I don't think anyone's calling for for a replacement at all. No, just a bad start of the season. Um, yeah, I mean the fumble he did against Brighton, wasn't it? The game's merging to one. Um, that wasn't great, uh, and he'll be kicking himself and punishing himself about that. But yeah, the other one of the doubts that I think in England, the England level is he's probably as good as Jordan Pickford at shot stopping, if not better. But Pickford's in there because of his ability on the ground and his ability to ping a, you know, forty-yard diagonal or out of his hands, drill it out of his hands. Probably better than Pope, and I think Southgate knows that. I think he might have spoken about that in the past in, um, to the to the England reporters. So, put Pope we at the pre at the at the premiere of the uh, of the documentary. We spoke to Pope and, and 
said are you working on being a sweeper keeper and is that one of the things you've improved on and I think that was one of the things that Carrius in the summer said that he'd seen Nicky Pult working on becoming much better at and we're probably not seeing it yet this year but it's one of those things that a keeper has a, a couple of bad games and looks wobbly and but he'll save them loads of times this year he's just totally top class person and 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 goalkeeper and you know it's just like one of those things which is another little cog which has been looked weaker in the team than 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 last year but he's there's no way Nicky Pope's not going to be the number one goalkeeper for the entire season and will get much better yeah 100% um we will end the show on some trivia as we do on the Monday show <laughs> okay uh, but first uh before we do that just tell our listeners what it's like to cover Newcastle on a, on a national scale because I know a lot of our listeners will feel Newcastle do get a, a bad press of it. Um, yeah. What is it like to be within that kind of circle of covering the club? No, I mean, it, I would have thought it's... I mean, the, the national guys are all... Myself, we're all kind of local. We all care about the club. We want to do an honest job. We want to speak to people from the club and, and get stories correct and get stories... And, and do our analysis fairly. So there's not like... Uh, there's always this thing about, you know, you're, you're the London press, right? Well, we're not the London press. We, we work for an organisation which is based in London, but we're, we're all from up here and care about North East football and have done it, most of us have done it for a good good number of years. So, uh, you know, it, we have different demands to the U Chronicle guys. We, we're kind of looking at big picture stuff and, and not as many, probably not as many individual hits on a daily basis um, as you guys have got to do. Um, and all, I also cover Sunderland and Middlesbrough reg- regularly as well. I mean, every other week I go to Sunderland home games. So we're looking at uh, the whole northeast picture as well, um, rather than being a dedicated club club reporter. Um, but I think you'll find that everyone's got Newcastle at heart and wants, you know, more people are going to read our stuff if Newcastle are doing well. And um, I, I don't think you'll find... I think you could point to things in, in decades ago where it was unfair, where managers were treated a little bit more harshly by... The, the national press and were given a roasting probably a little bit too much. I don't think from my own my own generation, but uh, but that doesn't happen now. And I think every, because we're very accountable now, I think you know the social media, you know, there's podcasts and people can immediately email us questions. And if you're saying something stupid and deliberately provocative and um, and just out of context without without any fairness then people are going to pull you up and say you're talking absolute rubbish so we try and talk sense and we try and give a fair reflection and views on on what's going and there's a national audience and a lot of the audience for Newcastle stuff on the mirror will be based in Newcastle but you know it'll be Liverpool fans reading it as well so you, you can't do it in a parochial way um, but thankfully Newcastle have got a lot of big stars and we'll have more and more big stars through the years which more and more people nationally will want to want to read about yeah most certainly right it's time to end up on the trivia so Newcastle United crashed out of the Champions League qualifying to Partizan Belgrade do you remember that one I do on I penalties oh so therefore you should do alright on this one can you name the starting 11 oh my god you th- what, for, for the home game with you? Uh, for the no, one not that it's going to make, the make the any difference penalties, yeah. the one that lost on penalty well yeah. Shearer was playing because he missed a penalty yeah um, was Bellamy playing Bellamy well, I mean, wasn't playing. He must have been injured. Uh, I would say, was Shea given in goal? Given was in goal. Right, was Aaron Hughes playing at right back? He was. Was Jonathan Woodgate playing? Indeed. Was, who was playing? Bramble or, or Andy, Andy O'Brien? Who are you going to go for? I'll go for Bramble because it's early in the season. Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien, okay. Left back was Olivia Bernard. It was, look at this. Um, I would say... Solano was probably playing on the yeah. right of midfield. For an extra point, can you name who he came off the bench, or who he came off the pitch for, who replaced him? Who replaced Solano? Oh, my word. 106 minutes was the substitute. You can tell me I've done my research. Oh, was it something like Martin Britton? Or... It was Luar Luar. Luar Luar? Oh, yes, Luar he did Luar. well in the Champions League. Him and Shaw led the line in, in Leverkusen the year before and scored. So you've got... Ga- Gary Speed in the middle, was yeah, he? Yeah, Gary Speed, yeah. Was Kieran Dyer playing in the middle he with was. him? Uh, left wing, Lauren Robert? No. No, left wing would... A man who could have been so much better than he actually was. Oh. He was... You know, was he a left winger? He was, yeah, left winger. Mm-hmm. He, he was signed He was signed as the big the big youngster who was going to make it. Was he? he what, failed. that summer? It would have been that summer, yeah. Well, I think he scored um, his first goal, I remember, against Birmingham, I think. 
might be wrong. As a left winger, as a star left winger to replace Robert. I challenge was Robert. Li- I, we signed, was he 19, 20 maybe? Oh my word, you, you've Portugal. done it. Portugal. Oh, Hugo Viana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. He was really nice. Robert there. came on 85 minutes. Robert came on 85, so Bobby was like kind of looking to retain the ball a bit more than having Robert. And then the final one up front with Alan Shearer. Up front was probably Shola. It was, it yeah. was. There you go. Aaron, if That's you're watching or listening, Simon can come on every week because he's done much better than you <laughs> have ever done in Trivia Corner. And who missed the penalties? Aaron Hughes and Shearer. I'll, I'll take it. Um, do you know what? I, I think Shearer missed one, but also Aaron Hughes might have missed one as well. That was a devastating night. Trips in the Champions League just evaporated in front of us in a, in a penalty shootout. But they did well in the UEFA Cup that mm. year. The semi-final, they, they bounced back. The Drogba destroyed them. In Drogba the destroyed them. And I've written about that for the, for the, for the Mirror website later, later in the week. Drogba destroyed them in the semi-final and came into the press room with his bottle of Man of the Match champagne. We were sitting there working on our laptops and he sprayed us. He absolutely soaked us go, going, Rah! With his, which, which went down really well. Then he moved to Chelsea, which made it made him even worse in the bad books. For an yeah, I remember, I do know that's that semi-final. Just think, wow, what a player that guy is! And obviously, yeah. comes to the champ, uh, to the Premier League, and uh, confirms what we all thought about him. Uh, Sam, thank you very much for popping on everything as Black and White podcast. A pleasure as always. To you guys watching, listen, please hit subscribe or follow uh, via whichever platform you are tuning in on. And uh, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press comments later this week and live coverage of Newcastle's game against Brentford on Saturday. From myself, I'll see you very soon.